Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. getting the win. He started dead last on the field, and now he is celebrating in victory lane. His 18th career win in his 300th start. Joey Logano, he's in sixth, following that 25-point penalty for post-race violations at Richmond. And that win is now encumbered, so it will not count toward his playoff eligibility. The rule is written in black and white, and uh, we pushed a little bit too far, and and we'll pay that penalty and we'll move on and, uh, and attack again. Once again, Richmond Raceway is set for the most pressure-packed race of the season for the drivers still looking for a win and a playoff spot. It all comes down to one last chance on Saturday night under the lights. Welcome to NASCAR America, everybody. Just over 48 hours from now, the Monster Energy Cup Series is going to wrap up its regular season. And joining us from NBC Charlotte, we have Kyle Petty, Slugger Labby, and Nate Ryan. Slugger, want to start with... Get yeah. all my buddies here. <laughs> we have a trio of buddies down in Charlotte. Slugger, um, I want to start with you here on this. This particular week, everything on the line, especially for a handful of teams where it's just win or go home, in what ways is this week different for those teams still looking to get that shot at the playoffs? Well, Richmond's a hard track, as yeah. you know, Kyle. You've raced it many of years. Uh, you practice in the day, you race at night, tire fall off. The brace of tr the track is so abrasive that tires fall off really, really fast. Yeah. And another thing that's also hard is getting on pit road and not missing the commitment cone. Yeah. Last time in April, we saw six teams get penalized for missing the commitment cone and having penalties. A yeah. huge factor. Yeah, and I think, you know, this year, Slugger, it's it's all about who's going to win. Yeah. It's, it's different it from other years where there's been everybody's got their calculators yeah. out, trying to figure out where the points have got to figure in, Kyle. Yeah. And this year, really, it just comes down to can a Clint Boyer and Eric Jones break their way in with a victory? Yeah. Finally, we're going to Richmond, and it's that stupid saying – when the green flag drops, the BS stops yeah. because it's over with here. This is it. This is the last chance for these guys. Win and you're in. You don't win, you go home. That's how simple it is. Nobody's going to point their way in. There is a lot of pressure on, very, on four or five teams to go there and make something happen. If you're already in, you breathe the sigh of relief a long time ago headed to Richmond. All right, more on the strategies for Richmond still to come in the show, but we are going to start with the biggest news of the week, and that is the fact that both of Denny Hamlin's wins last weekend at Darlington, his Xfinity win on Saturday and his Southern 500 win on Sunday, were ruled encumbered by NASCAR due to post-race violations that had to do with rear suspension. So the term encumbered basically means that Sunday's win will not count towards the playoffs. Both of Hamlin's crew chiefs were each suspended two races on the cup side. Hamlin and the 11 team also lost 25 points each, and Hamlin also will not get those five playoff points for his Southern 500 win. Yesterday on the show, Jeff Burton and Dale Jarrett offered their thoughts. It's time to start taking wins away. It's, you, ta it's time to give the points 
to the person that won the race. And it has nothing to do with a particular team. Any team that wins and did it illegal didn't win the race. Every short track around the country takes wins away, but we can't do say. it here. So, so you're saying an old school DQ and the guy in second is the winner of the race. Well, now. the argument has always been when the fans leave the racetrack, they deserve to know who won the race. Does anybody think that Denny Hamlin won the race? We're going to have to figure out some type of process that is a quick process after the race. Do the, the winner interview on the racetrack, take the car immediately before it even goes to victory lane and figure out a way that if it passes this inspection, then that's the winner of the race. But it has to be something done in five or ten minutes, then we can have our victory lane celebration. And then if they want to take the cars back and they find something that is wrong, then it's a huge financial uh, uh, penalty that they put. And I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, to, to put a stop to this. So this is very layered, and we should also add that Joe Gibbs Racing is not appealing the penalty. So Chris Gabehart is going to be Denny Hamlin's interim crew chief for both Richmond and also the playoff opener at Chicagoland. Nate, we're about to just break this thing wide open, but I just want to start by asking you if you agree with what Jeff and DJ were just saying. Should teams be disqualified from a win for a penalty of this magnitude? Well, Carolyn, I, I think it's not so much what my opinion is, it's what NASCAR's is. And I did talk to a couple of officials over the last couple of days to take NASCAR's temperature and see where they yeah. are. And I think I have some good news, perhaps, for Dale Jarrett and Jeff Burton. I think NASCAR is going to seriously consider looking at stripping wins for in 2018. I don't think that's going to be consideration yeah. mm -hmm. as far as change in policy this season. They wouldn't want to do that, especially right before the playoffs. But I think it's absolutely, I've been told, under consideration for next season. And I think this year, guys, they will look at potentially ratcheting up the penalties that they're issuing now, such as two-race suspension for Mike Wheeler, 25 points. I think they will. that's a tool in their toolbox where yeah. NASCAR could consider ratcheting that up if they see this again during the playoffs. They might go to, say, a three- or four-race suspension for a crew chief or a bigger penalty. I yeah. think that's something NASCAR will be pulling the teams in the garage to see this weekend in Richmond. And you could hear news on that, I think, in the near term where NASCAR might say, hey, we're not going to strip wins, but we <laughs> might consider ratcheting up penalties. Yeah, okay, here's your problem. You want to poll the teams and have them tell me how do you want me to penalize me. <laughs> Don't poll the teams, NASCAR. Make a decision. Make a rule. That's how simple it is. We have got into this position, and yes, I agree with Jeff uh, and with Dale. It should just be DQ. No points, no money, no anything. You got your moment of exposure, your 15 minutes of fame uh, by winning the race, but guess what? You go home. You get nothing. You get nothing. And at the end of the year, when it says, did you run 36 races? No. You ran 35 races. And if NASCAR wants to prorate that money, that TV money and the other money they get, and pull that piece out, that's a huge financial chunk. But I think that it's a philosophical change. You and I have had this conversation, Nate, that NASCAR has never taken wins away because they wanted that fan when he left the racetrack to say, by God, I saw Denny Hamlin win. I saw Richard Petty win. I saw Kel Yarborough win. That's what they want him to go home with, not read in the paper three or four days later. This onion has so many layers that it's hard to peel it back. But if you do something that's not in the rule book or do something the NASCAR deems is not legal, then yes, I think you need to be DQ'd at this level. If we're going to say encumbered, just go ahead and say DQ. I can say DQ a lot easier than encumbered. It's easier okay. to spell, right? It is a lot easier. <laughs> I hope encumbered goes away. Yes, yeah, yeah, hopefully. Right? Yeah. I just hate it for all the fans and, and of NASCAR. You know, things have been going really good yeah, for NASCAR really the last good. 10 weeks. The racing's been phenomenal. Everything's been going good. Denny Hamlin made up 20 seconds Saturday yes. night. Everybody was excited. It was an awesome race. Three days later, yeah. it's, a, it's a black eye. You know, so to me, we see it in qualifying on Friday. 
the car that sits on the pole, it simply goes right to the inspection yeah. bay. Before they take the pictures in yeah. victory lane of the, the, the Coors Light Award, they simply go through the tech process yeah. before they award it. So why can't they do that right after the race? Yeah. You know, so simply go right from uh, from Victory Lane right to the inspection and yeah. get it done. So it's definitely tough, but NASCAR is not afraid to make rules. We yeah. know that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they made restart line rules. They made the overtime line rule. We have pit road officiating. So NASCAR listens to the fans. They want things right. I think we're going to see some changes like Nate mentioned, but it, is it going to be fast enough? Yeah. To me, if you cheat, you're out. Yeah. I mean, I'm a crew chief, been in the sport for a long time, and I've pushed the rules. Yeah. And but I know. That time has come and gone. That but, time has come and gone in the sport because, as, as we say, it's that's the way it used to be mm -hmm. in the 60s and 70s. That's the way it used to be in the 80s and, and 90s, uh, on up to now. But with NASCAR taking the sport, and grabbing it around the neck and saying, this is what we're going to do with it. Then they've also got to go over here from the penalty size sure. and say, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to back it up. Well, they've done a great job with stage racing. They created stage racing. Been a lot of great yes. things come out of that. Yes, but has. they need to finish it. Yeah. They need to come finish up with, it. if you don't do right after the race, you're out immediately. Yeah. So they need to finish what they started with stage racing and get the rules right. All right, Nate, this is the thing that I'm struggling with here. So Slugger brings up the word cheating, right? And right. in sports. Performance advantage. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> whatever you used to call it when you That's were right. trying to get a performance advantage in sports you know you take a performance enhancing substance you're cheating you deflate a football to a certain PSI you may be cheating I mean there's in other <laughs> right. sports outside of NASCAR it seems to be very clearly defined in black and white what is over the line and what's not for whatever reason in this sport performance advantage whatever you want to call it it seems like it is more gray how should this term cheating be defined in NASCAR, and, and was that cheating what we saw this weekend? Well, it, it wasn't in my sense of it, Carolyn, and I, I think that you're right. I think there are gray areas in NASCAR, but I do disagree with Kyle here. Like, I think that cheating is relative, and yeah. I think in NASCAR, I think you know cheating when you see it, and cheating being a really emotionally charged, pejorative term that when you hear it, you think, oh, something nefarious is going on. These teams are intentionally yeah. trying to do something wrong. To me, that means building an illegal part. It means putting jet fuel yeah. in a gas tank. It means running a, a ninth cylinder in your engine or you know, soaking your tires or using traction control. This, to me, wasn't those things, Kyle. It was a team breaking the letter of the law rather than necessarily the, the spirit of the law. As Slugger said, I mean, they were seeking a performance advantage. They were going to the edge of the limits of the rule book. And I think that's what we heard Jimmy Maycar say today on Sirius XM Radio. There's a difference bet between a, 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 an important distinction between going to the boundaries of the rule yeah. book and building an illegal part. That would constitute more of a, of a cheating in the, the classical case that Carolyn's talking about in other sports, right? No. <laughs> no, I, and I don't see it that way. And, and Nate and I That's why I'm in the middle. Yeah, Nate and I, to keep us apart, Nate and I have had this conversation because it, it is, I, I look at it and the parts are legal. The parts they put on the car are legal. The way they adjust those, apart, those parts, there's an intention for those parts to move. There's an intention for those parts to do something. So there is intent. So if there is an intent to skirt the rules that's written in black and white and, and everybody else or these other competitors appear to be following, maybe not all of them, but appear to be following, then yes, the word cheat, if we go to Webster's and read the definition of it, is yes, the word is cheat. I don't like the word cheat. I think it's a very harsh word. I think it implies so much more than right. what really is going on here. And I do agree with that. And, and that, I go back to the, the philosophical differences. I grew up in the sport where there was, the rule was written, 
but there's a little bit of white between these two lines. That's where we're going to play. We're going to play in that gray area between these two lines. We're going to push the boundaries. We're going to, but NASCAR, in its wisdom and what they do, has closed that gap, has closed that gray area. So there's not as much gray area there anymore. And we're about to the point where the rule book is black and white. And I have to applaud NASCAR for that by trying to clean it up and oh. eliminate them. As, but our philosophy as a crew chief, as a driver, as an old school NASCAR guy is to, hey man, let me take that and make something better. And that's what these guys are doing. So is the intent there? The intent there is to take the rules and figure out a way to around them. Is that called cheating? Some people are gonna call it cheating, some people are not. Our sport has to clean that up. We do have to clean that up. Mm -hmm. If we can't afford to be sitting here on a Wednesday having this discussion every Wednesday, 36 times a year, you have to know when that checkered flag falls and when that rolls through inspection before it leaves that racetrack. This Wednesday inspection stuff runs up my rear end. Mm -hmm. But when you look at it, you have to say, I have to know who wins. And if you don't, if you're, if you're illegal, call it what you will, you're out. That's how simple it is. I want to bring up, Nate just mentioned Jimmy Maycar, Joe Gibbs Racing Senior Vice President of Racing Operations. The thoughts that he offered this afternoon on Sirius XM Radio, in case you didn't hear them, let's play them for you right now. This is, this is a little different than just having an illegal part or something like that that's just blatantly, you know, you're trying to get by with something. That's, you know, that's kind of black and white. And it's, uh, you know, we, nobody wants to, to, to get involved in that kind of mess, but um, you know, this is this kind of a situation is more of a um, a tolerance, a, you know, a measurement that they uh, that they measure at the racetrack. This measurement that that they're using back at the tech center is new this year. Uh, the, the way they're doing it, um, and it's not a way they check it at the racetrack. They check it at the racetrack a little differently, um, and we were fine, uh, you know, pre-race and uh, post-race on the, the measurements they take, uh, you know, there. Uh, the problem became when they came back to the tech center and, and, and they measured in a different way uh, is where we got in the uh, discrepancy on the amount of tolerance. Okay, so Slugger, there's a couple things here that we can go through from a crew chief's perspective. Of course, the tech center and the scheduling of all of this is something that I know you're passionate about, but I, I just want to make sure that people at home have an understanding of what we're talking about. We're talking about rear suspension. So when you hear Jimmy Maycar say this is not a part, this is not a piece, this is something else, this is a tolerance, what exactly is it that is being defined by NASCAR that's giving teams an edge? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm talking very basic terms here. When you say rear suspension or tweaking the rear suspension, is that adding speed? Is that adding drivability? Like, what is going on here? It's adding grip to your race yeah. car is what it's doing. And, you know, it, it takes hours to describe yeah. its rear skew. But obviously NASCAR over the winter, they took away the amount of skew that was allowed when we go over the laser inspection station. So teams are trying to get every incremental edge that they can get. Yeah. And simply they just went over the edge by a little bit. They're not the only ones. But it's just part of the sport. We know not to work in that area. Yeah. But if that's the hot spot, NASCAR should be able to check that after the race yes. and get that you're either right or wrong before the car gets loaded up. That is that's yeah. an area that can be inspected. It's inspected pre-race. They should be able to inspect it post-race and get the deal done. Yeah, and, and listen, I listened to the whole interview or read what Nate said or had in, in the interview. Um, and, and some of Jimmy's argument holds water and some of it has massive holes in it. I'm going to say that. Uh, Denny Hamlin, as a driver, did nothing wrong. 
he drove the wheels off that sure. car. To come back from 20 seconds back and win, legal or not, he that's a heck of a feat at Darlington, South Pardon Carolina. Me? So Denny Hamlin, I'm going to take him out of the equation. This is Joe Gibbs racing uh, and, and the crew chiefs, as we as we talked earlier. But when I look at it and, and, and we talk about it, the tolerances are there for a reason. NASCAR does not want you to go over them. That's how simple yeah. it is. And, and I come from an era where you build a 358 engine after the race, it may be a little bit more than 358. NASCAR allowed it to cool down and it came back within the tolerances. What these teams are doing is they're stepping outside the tolerances during the race to make the car do something and it's not coming back. It's not coming back to where it needs to be. So you have to start in a different place to get it to get closer to that line. They're playing so close to the line that they're stepping over. That's how simple it is. They're just stepping over the line. There is intent to step over the line. I'll go back to that. That's <laughs> performance why they, advantage. Performance advantage. That's why they go there. You can call it whatever you want well, to. Not to there step is over that the line. Intent. There's intent to get the to speed. To get to the line. To, to get, get to the, the speed and get yeah. to the line. The intent is to get as close to the line sure. as possible. Sometimes they step over. So just, Nate, I'll let you very quickly have the last word on this as we wrap up the discussion. It sounds like even though Denny Hamlin grabs the headlines and the crew chief gets suspended, that this is a larger issue organizationally that needs to be looked at. And this is something that NASCAR needs to continue to tweak. And it sounds like by what you've gathered that they're going to continue to do that. Yeah, again, Carol, I think we'll hear news on this in the yeah. coming days, possibly this weekend at Richmond. And to Kyle's point, I think NASCAR is looking at shortening uh, the, the window yeah, for announcing sure. these penalties. Next year, they want to get away from announcing penalties on Wednesday. They have a new inspection process that they're looking at. They're going to be testing it during the playoffs for 2018 that hopefully will keep penalties to uh, being inspected and announced, hopefully on a race night. And, and I want to say this one thing, Carolyn, and in, in, in all fairness, this is not just a Joe Gibbs racing issue. Sure. This is an industry-wide issue. We're picking on Joe Gibbs right now, it seems like, because they're the ones that got caught. But it's an industry-wide issue with each team trying to gain that advantage. Yeah, it was such a great weekend of racing altogether mm -hmm. that it's sad that it was tarnished in this way, but maybe this will lead to changes. There is a lot more ground to cover on the show, though, as we close in on the regular season finale in the Cup Series. We are going to set the final three playoff spots Saturday night at Richmond. Can someone like Clint Boyer or Eric Jones find their way to victory lane and take a spot away from those drivers above the cut line right now? We're going to look back at this year's spring race at Richmond where Joey Logano went from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. And we will tell you the story of Jerry Nadeau, whose accident at Richmond ended his driving career but also sparked a safety evolution that continues today. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for one full year. Two title contenders are battling this weekend in the Premier League Manchester City host Liverpool. Our coverage begins Saturday morning at 6.30 Eastern right here on NBCSN. Well, this is the second time this season that we have seen a Cup Series post-race violation lead to a win not counting towards the playoffs. The first one came in April at Richmond where Joey Logano got the win in his 300th career Cup Series start. Four days after Logano's win, NASCAR revealed that it had found a rear suspension violation on his car and they stripped him of his victory of playoff eligibility. The 22 team has struggled mightily since then. Here's a look and a listen back on that Richmond spring race in Scandal. What a great combination for a race today. Short track on a real hot day. That typically provides 
fantastic racing. Exactly what everybody's expecting to see here today at Richmond. Good luck in there, guys. Long day. We'll recover from our start spot and get a trophy. It'd be important to stay hydrated. I'll just remind you as much as we can here during the breaks. Time to lock and load and go into the green flag here at Richmond. Everybody coming to the green here. 400 laps. Green flag is out. They're four wide, and it's Blaney up into the outside wall. It was the break that Team Penske needed. Come on. Kyle Larson and Ricky Stenhouse staying out. Joey Logano on pit road. This is gonna get good. Green flag, green flag. Still there. Popper clear. All clear. Half back two by two. Logano looks three wide. He's trying to go that way for third. He'll do it. Clear up. Clear. Out front though, Kyle Larson. He breaks away in turn one. But not for long because here comes Joey Logano with guns ablaze. Clear high. Clear, clear. All good. Alright, white flag. Joey Logano in his 300th career start, and right now in position to score a win. Bringing that thing to the house. Second fly, baby. Nice work, guys. Yeah! Richard again, come on. Great job, guys. Great job. Great job, guys. Way to get it done, dude. Way to get it done. We give you an opportunity, you make it happen. 300 races, gotta win. I forgot about that. Man, I love winning. Yeah. So as of that moment, Joey Logano was in the playoffs. He was on fire. Life was good, Kyle. <laughs> After the penalty, his whole season completely changed. Could not be more different. And with that in mind, what do you give him for chances this weekend? He likes Richmond. So I, I give him confidence going in there. Uh, the problem is his back is against the wall big time. And they haven't had the speed at Penske Racing. Uh, to, to compete and win again, not since Richmond. So that, that's an issue for those guys. But I'm not counting Joey Logano and, and Todd Gordon out. That, that team uh, is a championship-caliber team. If they can go to Richmond and get in this chain or get in the playoffs, they'll be something. Well, the thing, Joey runs great there, like you mentioned. In the last four races there, he's had one win, two top fives, and four top tens. I mean, that's phenomenal, yeah. but that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You have to go back and perform. The team's made a lot of mistakes. They had a mechanical issue uh, last week at Darlington. Yeah. Those mistakes, you can't have them and expect to win a race in today's NASCAR standards. Yeah. You have to be excellent, and if you make mistakes, it's hard to overcome. Yeah, yeah Slugger, I feel like they've been lacking so much speed ever since the Richmond yes. race for whatever reason. It it, they've had to really take some gambles and take some chances, and I think that's gotten them off their game. Their game has always been execution, Todd Gordon outsmarting the competition yeah. with strategy, mm -hmm. choosing you know unconventional pit stalls, and it's, it's not worked for them. And yeah. I think he goes into Richmond with a great track record, as you mentioned, Slugger, but I think it's going to take a, a breakthrough of, yeah. of epic yeah. proportions for him to make it. Joey Logano, one of a handful of drivers who needs to have a win this weekend. When we come back, we're going to tell you a very special story. In 2003, Jerry Nadeau suffered career-ending injuries in a crash at Richmond. 14 years later, what does NASCAR learn from that devastating incident to keep drivers safer on the track? That's when NASCAR America comes back. Since 1954, STP has been on the leading edge of performance, helping engines run better longer. For the latest info on NASCAR, visit NBCSports.com slash Inside the Garage. 
It is a huge weekend as the Montreal Energy Series wrapping up its regular season at Richmond. NBCSN's coverage begins with practice and qualifying on Friday. And then on Saturday, we set the field of 16 for the playoffs. Our pre-race coverage starts at 5 p.m. Eastern with NASCAR America. Jerry Nadeau will turn 47 years old on Saturday. 14 years ago at Richmond Raceway, Nadeau's racing career ended. In fact, he almost lost his life that day in May of 2003, and it is still one of the hardest crashes ever registered by a NASCAR onboard data recorder at a little over 120 times the force of gravity. Just by comparison, Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s concussion-related crashes at Kansas and Talladega were well less than half of that. And as Nate Ryan found out, drivers today can be very grateful for the lessons learned from Nadu's crash. I think I'm going to go to Charlotte and run the cup car there. <laughs> Excellent. Jerry Nadu never imagined a life without racing. But today, this is what his competition looks like. As a racer, you still like to have the adrenaline rush and, and you still feel like you still can do it. A 30-year-old rising star, Nadu once drove for NASCAR's premier organization. The one guy who's got a smile in Jerry Nadu's bit is the team owner, Rick Hendrick. He's led more laps today than in his entire Winston Cup career. You've got to be one proud owner, huh? Yeah, he's doing a heck of a job. Charlotte's been a good track to me over the years. You're basically married to the bottom. I qualified outside pole in 2002 at a 29.09, and Jeff was on pole, I think, with a 29 flat. See the time? God, it feels so good. Yeah, I was gonna say, man. It feels like I'm there. Look at this new track record. This is the fastest I ever went here. I love racing. <laughs> and this all started with you just deciding on a whim. I got $150 in my pocket, and I'm driving to Charlotte in my beat-up old car. I'm gonna make this happen. Well, it's like, do I want to shingle houses the rest of my day and race on the weekends you know i had the heart to make it and i think anybody that wants to be somebody they can do it you know it's how much drive they have i made it the interval is 1.2 seconds between nadu and dale earnhardt and in november of 2000 jerry nadu wins the final race it is his first Winston Cup win in his 103rd race, the fourth first-time winner of 2000. Yeah, this is one of my favorite photos, obviously, with Dale. Um, you know, my first race I did, he shook his fist at me like, get the hell out of the way, and then the last race he did, uh, he gave me the thumbs up. It was the biggest day of his career. Two and a half years later, the worst. What do you remember about that day? I remember breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember oatmeal and toast, um, but I don't, I don't remember anything uh, of the accident. Nadu was one of the fastest drivers in practice at Richmond Raceway. When his car slammed into the wall, driver's side first. It was a perfect hit. It was a perfect accident. Um, Perfect in a bad way. That the, yeah. the angle and the force, like you said, it was was it more than a hundred times the force it of was, gravity? Yeah, it was a hundred. I think it was 121 g's uh, twice in a millisecond. Um, they did mention to me that my body weighed at like 16,000 pounds, 
uh, in a millisecond. Um, obviously, the brain can only take so much. It slapped the side of my skull, and it did some damage to the thalamus. Nadu spent nearly three weeks in a coma. All I know is when I was starting to get up from the induced coma, I'm looking around the room and I'm thinking, why are these people working so hard? Um, everything was really slow to me. Everything was really vague, you know, kind of like you were stuck in a cloud and you couldn't get out of it. I did everything I could, mm -hmm. uh, every rehab, everything I can do to produce, to make things better. My left side's uh, kind of asleep. It's still in that numbness feeling, uh, tingles 24-7. You know, unfortunately, when you scramble the brains a little bit, you know, what you have is what you have after that. But I'm here. What kind of support did you get from the NASCAR community through that? The fans were incredible. One of the cool things, obviously, is all the letters that I got. Get well soon, come back. We're devoted fans. Yeah, it's touching. Get well, get well, get well. We miss your smiling face. NASCAR needs you to come back. We miss you. It's so sad because people see you from the outside and they're like, God, you look fine. Why aren't you racing? You know, after what Dr. Petty said when he said, um, you know, choose another profession, it, it literally killed me. And when you're out, you're out. It's sad, but you're almost kind of forgotten. You haven't been to a race since? No, since I, I did go to Charlotte uh, last year, walked around the pits with a friend, and they're really grateful. They're good, uh, the NASCAR folks, and they opened their arms for, for me to go. But There's something about a driver being at a race yeah, and not driving. It, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't, it doesn't turn me on, not being able to do what you like. Get in, hurry up. You know, being a racer your whole life. Uh, These days, Nadu earns a living hosting okay. thrill rides for manufacturers like Dodge and Jeep. Wanna go swing? Come on, we'll go swing. One of the big reasons we're here, Jerry, is because you, you've agreed to pledge your brain to the Concussion Legacy Foundation. They're very much in the study and research of head injuries. Had you had any uh, concussions prior to the Richmond crash? You think oh, there were quite more a than a few? Yeah. Yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> I, I, I do remember at times being, I was knocked out in the middle of the road on Marybrook Road in Connecticut mm -hmm. on a three-wheeler. There's been many. I, I mean, I can probably list seven or eight concussions mm -hmm. in my life. Obviously, if they can learn something from my injury, I'd be glad to. Did you know much about it when you started racing? No. Nothing about it at all? No. Just, no it never just was talked about. It never... You know, just take that magic pill, feel better, and go back. You know, go go race. Obviously, things are way better now. The cars are way safer. The helmets, the Hans device, and and obviously the tracks. Six. No, that's a nine. It's all about evolving things. You know, things got to happen before you fix it. Your crash led to safer barriers virtually everywhere by yeah. the start of the next season. It takes those incidents to get the advancements. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, Nate, really well done. And change, of course, sometimes comes because it's necessary. And unfortunately for Jerry, you know, he his career was ended by that. But you mentioned safer barrier at the end of the piece, and that is by far and away uh, where this story ends for a new generation of drivers. Yeah, that's one of the biggest legacies, I think, of the Jerry Nadeau crash here, Carolyn, at Richmond. That was his accident that weekend, Kyle and Slugger. That was the last time Richmond wasn't outfitted with safer barriers, that the track put them in in between 
that May race, May race weekend and the September race weekend. So this race weekend marks the 14th anniversary of safer barriers going up at Richmond Raceway. And by the 2004 season, virtually every track, as you guys know, yeah. had safer mm -hmm. barriers outfitted along the exterior of the walls. Sure. And I think that Nadu's crash really accelerated that development. It sure has. You know, the thing I like is that everyone has tried to get better in yes. every aspect. You know, we talked earlier about how NASCAR, they keep sending rules bulletin out. Yeah. Every week we get new rules. One that makes me smile is when we get a bulletin about safety. Yeah. You can never, ever, ever scrutinize safety. That's one thing as a crew chief for the last 20 years, I've always stressed to my guys. Yeah. Do not sacrifice safety, and things like that are a prime example. Yeah, we were we were very blessed at Darlington to, to drive. Um, I, I drove my dad's car, the 67, and then you looked at a 91, and then you looked at, at the cars of the day. It is amazing how the safety innovation in the car itself, but this is the racetrack, and NASCAR uh, stepped up with the guys from Indy and all that came up with the, with the, soft, the safer barrier. Uh, but I, I have to say this. 17 years, this is 2017, 14 years later, uh, they're still putting safer barrier up at a racetrack. And that, uh, I can't condone that. That should have already been done a long time ago. There's a lot of racetracks that still, even though we got the outside and we got some places in the inside, I don't want to see a press release from a racetrack that says they put up a safer barrier because that tells me they're not on top of it. And all racetracks and all sport, uh, all motorsports needs to be uh, to buy into this. That's a, that was a great story Absolutely. on Jerry Mader. Yeah, we, we've still seen that happen, actually, yes. Kyle, with, with Kyle Busch's accident yes. at Daytona yes. a couple of years ago, at 2015, the Safer Barrier win after, unfortunately, he had, he had the injuries there. I think the other thing that we should focus on here, just a note, I've talked to some people at NASCAR, they said that if Jerry Nadeau had been running the seats that they run today, yeah, oh yeah. he probably yeah. wouldn't have yeah. had the injury he had. So yeah. not, not only is it the safer barriers and, and minimizing that, that impact that the car absorbs, it's also the, the impact inside the cockpit sure. that the driver has, has been lessened through the years as well. I love that moment in the piece where he said he loves racing, mm -hmm. and that's how a lot of drivers feel. It makes the risk you know, worth the sport. If you want to recommend that piece to a friend or if you want to catch it again, just a reminder for you, it is going to be part of our pre-race coverage on Saturday, so you can watch it one more time uh, there as well. Well done, Nate. Uh, we're going to switch gears when we come back. Last week, Brendan Poole locking up a spot in the Xfinity Series playoffs this week. He hopes to add playoff points at Richmond. We're going to discuss that and also show you what Poole's been doing to help his fellow Texans in the wake of Hurricane Harvey. Welcome back. We simply cannot tell you about this weekend enough. NASCAR racing under the lights in Richmond on back-to-back -back nights here on NBCSN. First up, the Xfinity Series. That's tomorrow at 7.30 Eastern and Saturday. The last race before the playoffs for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. That is 7.30 Eastern here on NBCSN as well. As you may know, Hurricane Irma is continuing to make its way towards Florida. The Category 5 storm has ravaged the Caribbean and is scheduled to make landfall in the U.S this weekend. Irma is projected to be the worst hurricane to hit Florida since Andrew in 1992, and it was three years after Andrew that Homestead Miami Speedway was opened in an effort to revitalize the region. On Tuesday, Homestead Miami staffers began preparing the track for Irma's arrival, and Charlotte Motor Speedway has joined a list of tracks that will open its campgrounds to evacuees. Meanwhile, Xfinity Series driver Brennan Poole has been leading, lending a helping hand to the city of Houston, which felt the brunt of Hurricane Harvey. Poole and his girlfriend Lindsay have started a drive called Pool for Texas, which collects food and funds for the Houston Food Bank. 
Poole, who grew up outside of Houston, is just one example of how NASCAR drivers and teams are assisting in the recovery process. And with two regular season races left to go in the Xfinity Series, Brendan Poole has clinched a playoff spot on points, along with Elliott Sadler and Daniel Hemrick. They join the four who have already qualified with a win. William Byron, Justin Allgaier, Ryan Reed, and Jeremy Clements. And we should mention, Elliott Sadler can clinch the regular season title if he has 61 points of a lead in the standings after Richmond. So he currently leads William Byron by 91 points. And that regular season title, Nate, equals 15 playoff points, as you well know. With all that in mind, with the standings in mind, who are you keeping an eye on this weekend? Well, actually, he'd be the guy I'd be looking at, Carolyn. And I know that seems strange because yeah. he's already locked up a spot. Obviously, he's probably going to lock up the regular season title. But that's a team that is coming off a pretty demoralizing Darlington result yeah. where not only did he wreck a car, he wrecked the car they were preparing for the season finale at Miami to win the championship with. So I think they could use a little bit of a morale booster slugger. And even though they're already in the playoffs, if they get that regular season title this weekend at Richmond, a, a race early, I think that helps them. Yeah, that'd be good for them. But the guy I'm watching and the team I'm watching is Brendan Gunn. He's on the bubble on the verge of making the playoffs. A lot of rumor this might be Brendan's last full-time year in Xfinity racing. So it would be great for this guy to do good at Richmond, but Richmond yeah. is a struggle for him uh, in the past. He's struggled at Richmond. He has to overcome that. He has to drive through the tunnel with the right attitude and yeah. get the job done. Well, this is good because you guys took the guys that could be the father of a guy that I'm taking because I'm taking William Byron. I'm taking the young guy. I'll never take a young guy. I, I think William Byron, I mean, he got on a hot streak. Uh, and, and that's the kind of team and kind of driver he is. We saw him last year in the, in the truck series. He dominated that series, did not walk away with the championship trophy, but really understood what it took to win a championship and what it took to win uh, once he got to the playoffs. I think that he's, this is a team, uh, Junior Motorsports, this is a team with, with William Byron, that when they get to the playoffs, they are going to excel. And Kyle, with Byron moving on to the Cup Series next year, how important is an Xfinity title for a very young driver like that to cement his standing, so to speak, before he climbs up the next rung of the ladder? You know what? That, that's a good question. And I think you can look at it a lot of different ways. You know, coming to the Cup Series uh, with a championship is a, is a big accomplishment. We saw Greg Biffle. We've seen Chase Elliott. Uh, Chase Chase Elliott. We've seen a lot of guys do it. Uh, but that does not mean anything when you get to the cup level. They Definitely don't care what your yeah. credentials are. Once <laughs> you get to the cup level, you got to make it at that dance, at that show, week in and week out. And it's a totally different Tough. game than the trucks or the Xfinity Series. Okay, so just a reminder for everybody, two more races for the Xfinity Series. They're going to wrap things up at Chicagoland on the 16th. That race is right here on NBCSN as well. Coming up, though, it is our weekly spotlight of the top crew members in NASCAR. Who are the latest nominees for our NBC Pit Crew All-Stars? We're going to reveal the next three when NASCAR America comes back. Stay with us. Big reminder for you here, the 2017 NFL season getting underway tonight. Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champion New England Patriots hosting the Kansas City Chiefs at Gillette. Live coverage from Foxborough begins at 7.30 Eastern over on NBC. All right, it's time now to reveal this week's nominees for the pit crew all-stars. Stuart Haas Racing Stan Doolittle serves as a jackman for the number four car driven by Kevin Harvick. Prior to his NASCAR career, Doolittle was a standout in both football and golf, and he 
says being a jackman is a lot like being a quarterback. Communication skills are key in both of those positions. Joe Gibbs Racing's Clay Robinson working as a front tire changer for Daniel Suarez on the 19 team. He started his racing career at the age of 15. Three years later, he began changing tires. Now in his early 40s, he remains one of the best at his position. Brian Chase works as jackman for the 38 team at Front Row Motorsports. Chase caught the racing bug from his father, who took him to races at Beach Ridge Motor Speedway in his home state of Maine. He has previously worked on crews for Joe Gibbs Racing and Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. So once again, our nominees this week, Stan Doolittle, Clay Robinson, and Brian Chase. And in November, we're going to reveal the 2017 Pit Crew All-Star Team during Championship Weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway. Meantime, coming up, we are running wide open towards Richmond. KP and Slugger and Nate giving their final thoughts on what they expect to see this weekend at the Action Track. That's next. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for one full year. I'm as motivated, if not more motivated than ever, to find success. We feel as though we're right on target to go out there and repeat as champions again. I never thought I'd make it to where I'm at today. I've won a few championships, and if you want to come up and take it from me, you're going to have to do all that stuff to get there. Don't forget, NBCSN's coverage from Richmond begins tomorrow with the Monster Energy Series practice at 10 a.m. Eastern. That is Cat by Xfinity Series racing under the lights. And then on Saturday, it is the Cup Series regular season finale in prime time. Our pre-race coverage starts with NASCAR America at 5 p.m. Eastern. And Richmond is where we set the field of 16 for the upcoming playoffs. This is a huge weekend. 13 drivers have locked up spots with race wins, while Chase Elliott and Matt Kenseth, Jamie McMurray controlling those final three spots on points. The only way that one of those three gets knocked out is if a driver below that cut line can win on Saturday night. All right, so we've got a couple minutes left here, gentlemen. Nate, I want to start with one of the drivers who could possibly win here, and that is the rookie, Eric Jones. He has got three straight top fives in the Cup Series heading into the weekend. Didn't do great in the spring race at Richmond, but that's because he crashed early, and he says he is very confident at this track. Do you like him as a spoiler for the weekend? I do, Carolyn, and you're right. To bring up the negative first, because I am a member of the news media, let's start with the negative. <laughs> he, he made only four laps at Richmond in the spring, but that was because of a tire failure, and that was a day race. So there probably would have been diminishing returns on what he could have gotten out of a day race to apply to a Saturday night race. And if you look at the way this kid is running lately at night, Slugger yeah. and, and Kyle, I mean, yes. could have won Bristol, top five at Darlington, yep. and go back a few races before that, could have won at Michigan. I, it feels like they always say you got to finish in the top yeah. five before you get a win. And yeah. it feels like Eric Jones is knocking on that top five and maybe could yeah. get that rookie breakthrough at Richmond. The guy I'm going to watch is the guy that appears to be in, but he's not locked in, is Matt Kenseth. Sat on the pole at Richmond yeah. in April, won the first stage, finished second in the second stage, and faded towards the end. But go back to New Hampshire, a track much like Richmond. He should have won the race, but a late race pit call yeah. to get two tires cost him the victory. So Matt's a guy that looks like he's locked in, but he needs the five bonus points for a race win. And I think this team is going to be aggressive to go get that victory. Yeah, you know, it, we, we go back to this cutoff line every year. Um, and we spend so much time on this cutoff line talking about guys who never make it to the final <laughs> four. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, this is my moment of glory. I've sure. made the, the playoffs, and that's the end of it. 
I look at Matt Kenseth and I look at Joey Logano, who's on the outside. If he could win a race, those are two guys that could contend. Those are two guys right. that could get on a hot streak. We talk about Eric Jones. We talk about Clint Boyer. You talk about Daniel Suarez and some of these guys that are back there. They've not shown me all year long or in their past history that they are ready to contend for a cup championship. Joey Logano and Matt Kenseth are two of the guys that are. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look. I'm going to watch the other end of the spectrum. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. We can talk that. There's no bubble there anymore. The bubble burst, okay? <laughs> the, you either got to get in or whatever. I'm going to go to Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick has got to put together a solid race and put it in victory lane to establish himself in the playoffs as a guy that we're going to have to contend with. We know that Kyle Larson, we know that Kyle Busch, uh, we know that Martin Truex, but who is going to challenge, who's going to rise out of that pack to be that third or fourth guy once we get to Homestead? You know, uh, what? I can assure you one thing, though. Last year as a crew chief with Austin Dillon, I was on the bubble. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I didn't sleep all week, yeah. all weekend. I threw up beside the truck before <laughs> the race started. I was tore up. I mean, you just don't know what it's like in today's world to make the playoffs. If there's oh, one yeah. analyst we can count on to give too much information, it's always <laughs> Slugger Labby. Just quickly, Nate, as we wrap things up here, there's one driver that we haven't talked about in weeks who happens to be the most popular driver in the sport, and that is Dale Earnhardt Jr., who has just had an abysmal couple of months. Have we spent enough time kind of realizing what the finality of the regular season means for, for him? I, I think with him having an interim crew chief, Carolyn, th- this weekend, yeah. that would be a perfect Dale Jr. narrative yeah. for him to get an out-of-nowhere win. Yeah. He seems to get wins in these really momentous occasions, whether it's the first Daytona 500 um, af- uh, with Nextel as the title sponsor or the first time at Daytona after his father's death at the Daytona 500 2001. He won that race. The first race after September 11th at Dover, he won that race. He seems to have a flair for the, the dramatic. Yeah. So, it's, it's possible. Hey, and Richmond does, too. Let's go back. Um, Jeremy Mayfield, uh, Brian Vickers, yeah. Casey Kane. Let's go back to a, dr- mm-hmm. a flair for the dramatic at Richmond just squeaking in and making the playoffs. Right. right. Man, it's that, would be, that yeah. would be quite a story uh, for the weekend. All right, that's it for NASCAR America today. Don't forget, though, our coverage from Richmond begins tomorrow. It starts at 10 a.m. Eastern, and there is a lot to get to over the course of the weekend. Everything on the line in the Cup Series. Up next is the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour Action from New York. We are going to see you, though, over the weekend at Richmond. We hope you're with us, and we'll be back with NASCAR America next week. Enjoy. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.